Hello, this is R.J. Deacon reading the Supreme Court of the United States Opinion Syllabus in Van Buren v. United States. Certiorari to the United States Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit. Argued November 30th, 2020. Decided June 3rd, 2021. Uh, if you'd like to support the podcast, please stay tuned to the end of the podcast. Former Georgia Police Sergeant Nathan Van Buren used his patrol car computer to access a law enforcement database to retrieve information about a particular license plate number in exchange for money. Although Van Buren used his own valid credentials to perform the search, his conduct violated a department policy against obtaining database information for non-law enforcement purposes. Unbeknownst to Van Buren, his actions were part of a Federal Bureau of Investigation sting operation. Van Buren was charged with a felony violation of the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act of 1986, CFAA, which subjects to criminal liability anyone who intentionally accesses a computer without authorization or exceeds authorized access. That's 18 U.S.C. Section 1030A2. The term exceeds authorized access is defined to mean to access a computer with authorization and to use such access to obtain or alter information in the computer that the accessor is not entitled to obtain or alter. That's um, section 1030E6. A jury convicted Van Buren, and the district court sentenced him to 18 months in prison. Van Buren appealed to the 11th Circuit, arguing that the exceeds authorized access clause applies only to those who obtain information to which their computer access does not extend, not to those who misuse access that they otherwise have. Consistent with 11th Circuit precedent, the panel held that Van Buren had violated the CFAA. The Supreme Court held a decision is... reversed and remanded, and Justice Barrett delivered the opinion of the court. An individual exceeds authorized access when he accesses a computer with authorization, but then obtains information located in particular areas of the computer, such as files, folders, or databases, that are off-limits to him. The parties agree that Van Buren accessed a computer with authorization and obtained information in the computer. They dispute whether Van Buren was entitled to so entitled so to obtain that information. Van Buren contends that the word so serves as a term of reference and that the disputed phrase thus lacks whether one has the right in the same manner as he has been as has been stated to obtain the relevant information. Um, that's Black's Law Dictionary at 1246. He also notes that the only manner of obtaining information already stated in the definitional provision is by a computer one is authorized to access. Thus, he continues the phrase, is not entitled so to obtain, plainly refers to information one is not allowed to obtain by using a computer that he is authorized to access. The government argues that so sweeps more broadly reading the phrase, is not entitled so to obtain, to refer to information one was not allowed to obtain in the particular manner or circumstances which he obtained it. And 
the manner or circumstances in which one has a right to obtain information, the government says, are defined by any specifically and explicitly communicated communicated limits on one's right to access information. Van Buren's account of so best aligns with the terms plain meaning as a term of reference, as further reflected by other federal statutes that use so the same way. The government contends that Van Buren's reading renders the word so superfluous. So makes a valid contribution. The government insists only if it incorporates all of the circumstances that might qualify a person's right to obtain information. The court disagrees, because without so, the statute could be read to incorporate all kinds of limitations on one's entitlement to information. The dissent accepts Van Buren's definition of so, but would arrive at the government's result by way of the word entitled. According to the dissent, the term entitled demands a circumstance-dependent analysis of whether access was proper, but the word entitled is modified by the phrase, so to obtain. That phrase, in turn, directs the reader to consider a specific limitation on the accessor's entitlement, his entitlement to obtain the information, in the manner previously stated. And, as already explained, the manner previously stated is using a computer one is authorized to access. To arrive at its interpretation, the dissent must write the word so out of the statute. The government contends that in common parlance, the phrase exceeds authorized access would be understood to mean that Van Buren exceeded his authorized access to the law enforcement database when he obtained license plate information for personal purposes. The relevant question, however, is not whether Van Buren exceeded his authorized access, but whether he exceeded his authorized access as the CFAA defines that phrase. For reasons given elsewhere, he did not, nor is it contrary to the meaning of the defined term to equate exceeding authorized access with the act of entering a part of the system to which a computer user lacks access privileges. The statute's structure further cuts against the government's position. Subsection A2 specifies two distinct ways of obtaining information unlawfully. First, when an individual accesses a computer without authorization, section 1030A2, and second, when an individual exceeds authorized access by accessing a computer with authorization and then obtaining information he is not entitled to so obtain, section 1030A2E and uh and E6. So it's, sorry, sections 1030A2 and E6. Van Buren contends that without authorization clause protects computers themselves from outside hackers, while the exceeds authorized access clause provides complementary protection for certain information within computers by targeting so-called inside hackers. Under Van Buren's reading, liability under both causes stems from a gates-up or down inquiry. One either can or cannot access a computer system, and one either can or cannot access certain areas within the system. 
This treats the causes consistently and aligns with computer context understanding of access as entry. By contrast, the government proposes to read the first phrase without authorization as a gates up or down inquiry and the second phase exceeds authorized access as dependent on the circumstances. A reading inconsistent with subsection A2's design and structure. The government's reading leaves unanswered why the statute would prohibit accessing computer information but not the computer itself for an improper purpose. Another structural problem for the government, that's section 1030A2, also gives rise to civil liability, section 1030G, with the statute defining damage and loss to specify what a plaintiff in a civil suit can recover, section 1030E8 and 11. Both terms focus on technological harms to computer data or systems. Such provisions make sense in a scheme aimed at avoiding the ordinary consequences of hacking, but are ill-fitted to remediating misuse of sensitive information that employees permissibly access using their computers. The government's argument that precedent and statutory history support its interpretation are easily dispatched. This court's decision in Musacchio v. United States did not address the issue here, and the court is not bound to follow any dicta in the case. As for statutory history, the government claims that the original 1984 Act's precursor to the exceeds authorized access language, which covered any person who, having access to computer with authorization, uses the opportunities such access provides for purposes to which such authorization does not extend, supports its reading. But that Congress removed any reference to purpose in the CFAA cuts against reading the statute to cover purpose-based limitations. The government's interpretation of the exceeds authorized access clause would attach criminal penalties to a breathtaking amount of commonplace computer activity. For instance, employers commonly state that computers and electronic devices can be used only for business purposes. On the government's reading, an employee who sends a personal email or records the news using a work computer has violated the CFAA. The government speculates that other provisions might limit its prosecutorial power, but its charging practice and policy indicate otherwise. The government's approach would also inject arbitrariness into the assessment of criminal liability, because whether conduct like Van Buren's violated the CFAA would depend on how an employer phrased the policy violated as a use restriction or as an access restriction. The decision below is reversed and remanded. Justice Barrett delivered the opinion of the court in which Justices Breyer, Sotomayor, Kagan, Gorsuch, and Kavanaugh joined. Justice Thomas filed a dissenting opinion in which Chief Justice Roberts and Justice Alito joined. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to support the podcast or put a little gas in my motorcycle so I can get to my public defender internship, uh, you can find a PayPal link in the show notes. Find me on Patreon. Contact me at roadscholar at gmail.com. And if you have any interest in agricultural or shale, that's oil, gas, law, uh, please find the Penn State Agricultural or Penn State Shale Law Podcast. Thank you.